0: as I was worshiping earlier in the, in the worship service, the Lord quickened to my heart because of what we're teaching. He says, Doug, do you realize that, oh, dismiss the kids, I always forget that. He said, Doug, do you realize that all what you do, all the gift of, of teaching and preaching is really geared towards, is driving you to the presence of God. So if you really think about it, when you're watching a podcast or reading your word or or getting taught something or someone's preaching a message about God or trying to reveal the word to you or illuminate the scriptures to you, it's really all about getting you back to intimacy with God, back to that pre-sin state with God to where you could walk in the cool of the day in the garden with him. God wants that relationship. That's what it's all about, guys. So a lot of times we... Get to people come in late, or they don't like worship, so they just skip that part. I had one guy at our last church who's so funny. He used to come exactly when worship was over, every week. And I'd be like, I won't say his name, but, brother, like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't like singing. And I said, it's more than singing, man. He's like trying to help him. He's like, oh, I just just like to hear the word preached. That's it. No, man, I'm telling you, the purpose of preaching is to be with Jesus. The purpose of the word, anything, any gift of the spirit is to lead you back to intimacy with Christ. And worship, that's what it is. Worship is a response to God's greatness and his glory. God's, worship is a, a place to go and to, and to be in a place, uh, you know, in the tabernacle, or in the Holy of Holies. There was only one person that got to go in once a year. And in that place is where the very presence of God dwelt. Because remember, outside, God was still there, but he wasn't there. Are you with me? There are a, a more intensity of his um, presence than at other places. So that's where we want to be. So as we learn this stuff, I'm not just teaching you this stuff and preaching God's word so that you can hear a good sermon, which I hope it's good, but my, that's the least of my concerns. My concern, the best thing I could ever get is you getting closer and more intimate with Jesus. Remember the very first scripture I preached here was John 17, 3. This is eternal life. That they, you and me, might know, ganasco, the Greek word, intimately, lovingly, personally know God. That is eternal life. That's why Jesus came, to get you into a personal, intimate, close walk with Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's why he sent Christ. Amen? So when we teach, that's where we're wanting you to go. So I hope that as you take notes, you meditate on this, that it's about getting you close to God, and during the week, man, I'm telling you, the shield of faith, whew, this is going to be a good one. I, I'm excited because we're kind of moving out of the foundational three and into these other three that we're going to talk about. So let's get into it. So let's review what we've put on so far, because we should be wearing this at every battle, correct? Amen. So in every battle, we've, we've got to put on. So we're putting on, first of all, the belt of truth, We put on the belt of truth. That was the first piece of armor that went on, part of our foundation big three. These are the foundational ones that we put on and keep on that that support and uh, give foundational strength to the others. So the belt of truth, remember, it protected you from what? This is the class part of the preaching (laughs) to see if everyone's listening. So think of it. What is the belt of truth? Remember, what is it protecting you from? That was part of it. And why? He said the loins. Because it would hurt. Because <laughs> it would hurt. <laughs> That's a great answer. Yes, it would. Remember, the, the, the belt of truth covered the loins, of reproductive very physically, but then we talk spiritually. That keeps you from reproducing Christ and ineffectiveness, right? And then, of course, truth protects you from deception and lies, right? So the belt of truth protects you from deception and ineffectiveness, And remember, hell's strategy was to question and compromise the word of God. So whenever you have a thought, remember thoughts, it's not a thought, it's a voice. Every thought you get is either from your own self-generated thought, from the spirit of God, or from hell, okay? So you have to understand that you need to be able to discern thoughts. Don't just think because you're thinking it, it's gospel and gold. Just like when you go onto Facebook and it says it on Facebook doesn't mean it's true. (laughs) And it doesn't mean the news is correct. So don't just accept every thought like, oh, I thought it must be true. (laughs) I'm a stupid idiot. People get that. I I prayed for a a lady one time that was having hundreds of thoughts every day every time she would look in a mirror of how ugly she was and how fat she was. Hundreds. We brought truth into there. We cast that demon out, and the thoughts completely stopped. Wow. Amen. So don't just accept them, because by your acceptance, you're giving power and authority over to whoever's speaking those thoughts. You can do the same thing with people, that, that, not in thoughts, but actual words coming into your ear. Just because someone says something to you, you can hear it, because I, you ever, anyone grow up and your parent tell you you're never going to do good, you're a loser, Anyone get called out growing up? A lot of people have. I'm telling you what. 80% of fathers aren't very good fathers because they're telling, they're word cursing their kids and they're speaking death over their kids. And when their kids hear that when they're little, they accept it as truth because that's their father. That's their identity. That's who they're growing up under. Are you with me? So it's, it's don't accept thoughts or words just because of who says it. Because like we heard Friday night from a speaker, I don't give a what? Fly and flip. A flying flip <laughs> what you think about me. All I care is what God thinks about me. Because you know why? Because he's the king. That's right. <laughs> and so don't take in words and thoughts just because they're there. You've got to be able to discern that. So the belt of truth protects us from that deception, lays us a foundation, gives us a plumb line for what is truth. Because that's a big deal today, guys. In our culture, what really is truth? And so if we don't have a standard or a plumb line to go off of, well, then truth is just up to you. If it feels good, that's true. That's true for you. may not be true for you, but it's true for you. No, 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 no. God's word is foundational. Jesus said God's word will never fail. They'll never go away. It's always going to be there. So hell's strategy is to question and compromise the word of God. Now, I'm adding a little uh, third part into these each armor, and that's the focus point because I want us to be able to focus have a focus point on each uh, piece of armor. And our focus point for the belt of truth is the Word of God. That's our focus point. And in that, the Word of God, I want you to write next to there, be teachable. Be teachable. Now, so the Word of God is going to be in every piece of armor because the Word of God sustains all, is in all, because, oh, Jesus became the Word, right? So the, and the word upholds everything. So the word is sustaining every piece of armor. So that's going to be in everything, but the belt of truth specifically directly speaks to that. The belt, remember, keeps up all the armor on. You're putting it on first. It's a key piece to holding all together. God's word holds all together. John 17, 17. Jesus said this, sanctify them by the truth. Then Jesus said, your word is truth. And remember, he became the word and dwelt among us. And then Colossians says, one seventeen. Colossians one seventeen says, he is before all, speaking of Jesus, he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together because of the word, and the word is Jesus. He came and became word in the flesh and dwelt among us. So it's important that we have that as a foundation. Number two. The breastplate of righteousness, righteousness, right. The breastplate. And what does that protect us from? Remember, it was protecting our heart, vital organs, right? What was that protecting us from? Attacks, yeah. But what type of attacks? Spiritual. (laughs) Spiritual? You guys are good. (laughs) We're getting there. So remember, we talked about, um, and what was what we talked about? What was the strategy of hell towards the breastplate of righteousness? Remember? What do we talk about? What is righteousness? It's, comp- but it's being in right standing with God, right? So righteousness means in right standing with God or that God approves of what you're doing or who you are. And so we talked about what is protecting us from is the works mentality. So the breastplate hell strategy was that we got to perform for God. We got to perform for his approval um, that, and we got to focus on earning it. So the hell strategy will be all about you've got to earn God's favor. You've got to earn God's love. Got to, if you didn't do your devotions today, then he doesn't love you as much as if you did your devotions. Or if you didn't go to church today, he doesn't love you and accept you as much as if you did. So it's a works mentality that we think somehow that if we do enough good works, God will finally like us. And so that's the lie of hell, which is really easy for people to get in. All of us struggle with that because we all in our nature want to try and earn it. But the breastplate protects us, our confidence towards God. Remember in our security and our status with him? we're kind of Remember the status? We talked about, God, what's, what's our status with you? Well, because of Christ, we're in Christ. Our status with him is righteousness. And we talked about where the word says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. I want you to think about that thought. It is huge. Think about that, that you, this is you. When you read God's word, it's speaking to you. So say that about yourself in your heart right now. I am the righteousness, which means perfection of God in Christ. So when God looks at you, he sees you perfect. But you're like, wait a minute, I don't, I'm not perfect, I blow it. I know, but if you're in Christ, God sees you through the filter of the cross, the blood that was shed and the death of his son, and sees you perfectly Now, that's not a license. Oh, cool, I'm in the filter. Let's go party. No. People, I found people are afraid when people teach that this kind of gospel, because this is the true gospel, that you are indeed the righteousness of God in Christ, and people get afraid because it's like, wait, we're giving a license for people to go sin. We're giving a free... No, 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 no. I find that most Christians aren't looking for a license. In fact, most of us don't need a license. We, we blow it all the time, right? We don't need a license. Most of us are looking for ways to stop sinning. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I'm telling you what, sometimes the law says don't do it. and you, No, Jesus says you're the righteousness. God is saying that's not how I created you. Start looking at the sins in your life that you're struggling with overcoming and that you're fighting against. Start looking at them in a different way and say, you know, to that sin, looking at that struggle that you have, Start saying to yourself, you know, sin, God just didn't create me for this sin. I'm not created to do that. And start renewing your mind to get your perceptions switched. Because sometimes we feel like, oh, no, it's just me. It's too hard of a sin. It's too hard of a struggle. I can't overcome. No, no, start telling yourself, no, actually you can. And God didn't create you to operate in that sin. Whatever it is, just name that sin and go, God didn't make me for that he created me. I'm, I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new is here. And now it's our point to renew our minds so that we can start thinking in alignment with what God's word says. Are you with me? Yeah. So the breastplate of righteousness. Um, focusing on Earth. so our focus for the breastplate, this is new under there. Now we want this focus of the breastplate of righteousness because it has to do with our relationship with God and the heart, our heart with God is prayer time. So your focus on strengthening this piece of armor in your life is developing an intimate prayer time with God. So if you don't pray at all or if you pray just before meals, you want to up your game and start giving God. When you wake up five minutes and start talking with God, prayer is simply talking with God. I'm also adding on there prayer and journaling. And I will teach you more how to journal and how to hear God's voice as we go on. But right now, I want to tell you that prayer time, prayer is not about telling God all your problems and what you need. Prayer is about having a relationship with the actual creator God. And in that relationship, he talks to you and you talk to him. So it's two way. And if you're not two way a whole lot, that's okay. We're going to teach you how to get there because I guarantee you that God is speaking to you all the time. All the time. And I'll teach you how to discern and know that so where when you read the verse that Jesus says, his sheep will know my voice, you won't feel so weird when you read that. Be like, yeah, I do. I know his voice. So we'll get there. But I want you to focus on the breastplate of righteousness. The focus is prayer and journaling. Journaling is just a simple way where what I do, I get my journal and after I've been in the word and I'm praying and I just sit there and I just go, okay, God, quiet my mind. go, God, speak to me. I'm your son. I love you. And I just quiet my soul before him. What do you want to say? And then never has he not said anything. He always speaks to me. I, re- I go re- back and read stuff. I'm like, wow, that's God. Like, I don't, rem- I don't remember thinking of this concept. And God speaks life to each one of us if we'll give him the time. Anyone, uh, anyone got a favorite hobby of theirs? Name some favorite hobbies. Sewing. Gardening. Gardening. What else? Keyboards. Music. Good. Some of you are embarrassed to say your hobby. <laughs> it's a frog watching. I don't know. History. Huh? History. History. Yeah. So now I want you to... Dancing. So think of your favorite thing to do or what you want to be really good at. Think of the best person, the best dancer you know of. Think of the best... Did you say crochet? Sewing. sewing. sorry. The best sewer, The best history professor, knowledge-wise. The best, Greg, the best musician. And I want you to picture you getting a letter or a text from that person. And it says, hey, Greg, Keith Green, I don't know the best <laughs> piano player, but <laughs> Keith Green rock. Age, I know, I love Keith Green. He was a <laughs> phenomenal player. Let's just pretend. And he says, hey, man, I want to I help you develop your skill in piano playing. Um, and I want to meet you every morning at 6 a.m. before work. And I'm, I'm going to personally walk with you and help you learn how to play that piano and the, and the anointing that comes with it, because he was anointed. Um, and if that's your heartbeat, what, what would you say? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> OMG. Um, I, grew, I grew up, I wanted to be a professional basketball player, so some of my, if I, had, if I would have had Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson or James Worthy was actually one of my favorites. That's, that's really aging me. Um, and if he said, hey, Doug, will you get up at five? I want to work with some you know, post moves and dribbling and stuff on, on the low post with you. Would you do it? Oh, my gosh. I would be up earlier than that. My point is, church, that the Holy Spirit has texted you and has said, hey, will you meet with me every morning? And I will disciple you and help you grow in the word and teach you the word and teach you about yourself and get you free from all the junk you're struggling with. That's the truth. And that's something you have to respond to and accept, that you have a mentor, a brilliant mentor, (laughs) that's actually created every person you just thought of as the physical mentor and gave them the wisdom to do it wants to sit with you every morning. I think that's a great privilege, guys. So that's what journaling is contained and about, is learning how to hear his voice and really hear him so you can start being mentored by him. So breastplate of righteousness. Number three, we uh, then went to the feet last week, the feet having our feet shod, the weird English word there, we, with the gospel of peace. And so the shoes protect us from what? This is last week, so you should be a little better at remembering what was on the bottom of the shoes? Cleats. And cleats help you not slip. Remember we talked about keeps you from slipping. Also, someone said a sharp object. Yeah, having something on your feet. Can you imagine trying to fight a spiritual battle stepping on a sharp rock? Ah. So it protects us from slippering. And where do your feet take you? Wherever you're going. Right? You can't go anywhere. Your feet don't take you. So it keeps you from wandering. We looked at hell's strategy Hell's strategy will to convince you that your circumstances dictate your obedience. Ooh. The enemy will also try and bring in confusion and get you distracted and off track of where God wants you to go. And so our, our focus for this one, for the, for the feet being shot or being strapped, remember strapped on shoes, was our focus is going to be accountability and mentorship. So in your life right now, as your pastor, I'm telling you, every one of us needs an accountability partner. If you don't have another Christian that will keep you accountable and ask you tough questions and challenge you spiritually, you need to get one. If you don't have one, begin to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit... Bring me someone in my life that can help me grow. A mentor that can mentor me and challenge me in my life. Accountability partner that can come and meet with me and talk about spiritual things. Talk about the word and encourage and strengthen me. And we need that because this will help us from going wandering off. This will help us as our shoes as we develop and we we talk about our direction in life. Okay? Amen? I know that's a lot of stuff to think about, but I want you to think about getting a mentor or having an accountability partner because that helps you fight. You cannot, remember we said in the beginning of spiritual warfare that you can't do it alone? You cannot fight spiritually alone. You're not designed to fight alone, right? You're not designed to do life alone. You're designed to be with people Arm in arm, hand in hand, the body of Christ, every part of the body fitly joined together, Paul says, fitly joined together, every tendon and muscle holding and working together so the body can move just to do this. All the things that are working in my body just to do this is amazing. But that's a picture, Paul said, of the body and how every part of every place in your body is important for the movement, the effectiveness, and the efficiency of the body to move. So we need to focus on getting accountability or mentorship. Remember we talked about if the enemy can cause you to slip, it doesn't matter how much armor you have on. Yeah. So you can be all spiritual, but if your shoes aren't solid and your foundation's not set, you're in trouble. So fo- that was our focus. All right, so we looked at, remember last week we looked at another way to look, and I didn't put this in your notes because I ran out of room. But I want us to recall really quickly, remember we talked about another way to look at the the foundational three armor pieces? Remember we said the belt asked the question, do you know what God, what? Okay, I I need to improve my teaching skills. Do you know what God said? Remember, because it's talking about the truth. That was on last week's notes. But we talked about, this is another way to look at these foundational three, and it's important because I want to talk about, because these are the things that you put on, and then the next three things are the, are the pieces of armor that you take up. So the belt is, you got to ask the question, or ask the question, do you know what God said? Okay, remember, remember the times Jesus got tempted, and remember when Eve, when we talked about that, what, did, what was the first thing that the enemy said? Did God really say that? Eve said, oh, we can't eat for many. Oh, did God really? So she didn't know. No, he didn't say that. And she says something else that he didn't even say. So she didn't have the knowledge of that. And then Jesus, the first thing they said to Jesus, if you're God's son. So we have to know the bell of truth gives us that. We've got to have that knowledge of knowing what God's word says. The breastplate asked the question, do you believe what God said? So the breastplate was about having faith. And trusting, do you believe what God is saying about you? And then the shoes were about direction and action. Remember we talked about that. said, do you know what to do with what God said? So do you know what God said? Do you believe what God said? And do you know what to do with what God said? Because doing means action. And and the feet had to do with action. In the same way, these last three we want to look at the same concept. Taking up the shield of faith, taking up your helmet, taking up your sword. So the shield of faith today we're going to look at, this is a way to look at it. The, the shield of faith says that's not what God said, and that has to do with discernment. So it's discernment. The shield of faith we're going to talk about is because, just think about it. If you've got a shield, right, in the physical, and you're taking on arrows that are coming towards you, and those arrows we're going to learn and talk more about is the enemy speaking thoughts and casting thoughts towards you. Wouldn't discernment have to come in there? And we'll, we'll take a look at that. So the shield of faith says, "Oh, hey, wait a minute. I know what God sells because I have the belt of truth on, so I have the knowledge. I know what God said, and now with my shield, I'm taking that word and I'm discerning it by faith. That is not what God said. So when the enemy tries to hurl thoughts at you that disagree, hey, you can't worship. God won't hear your worship. Just think about what you did last week or last night. Or what did you say to that person? Or you stole this or you did whatever you did. And the enemy tries to come in and keep you from the presence of God, lie to you. You have to have the discernment of the shield of faith so that you can discern what is saying to you and how to get around that and know what's truth. And then we looked at the helmet of salvation also was our first one. And that says that I believe what God says. The helmet of salvation says, I believe it. And remember, what correlates with the helmet um, was the the breastplate of righteousness, and what comes out of the heart comes out the mouth. And remember, this is about believing what God said and submitting to what God said. We have to not only know what God says, have the knowledge, but we have to submit to his word as the final authority. And then the sword of the spirit we'll look at next week, but that one says, just a prelude here, says, um, I agree with and will act upon what God says. So that's an exciting one next week because we're going to talk about the power of confession. So the sword, remember, really is our only offensive weapon that we can actually aggressively go after, and that's with our mouth. We have to be able to speak God's word, believing in faith, and that's where we say, I, not only do I agree with you, God, in your word, I'm willing to step out in faith and act on it and proclaim it with my sword. So we'll talk about that next week. Good, I know that's a lot of information, but I want to kind of get us caught up on where where we've been, what we look like, what we've put on, how we're dressed spiritually so that we can do the next thing, which is to take a look at the shield of faith. So turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6.16. I think I put it on your notes too. I put the World English Bible translation on there, but you can look at Ephesians 6.16 if you'd like or write that in your notes. Ephesians 6.16 says, in all circumstances, this is the ESV version, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The World English and thing on their notes, I believe I put in there, Ephesians 6.16 says, above all, so the other version said in all, I want you to notice that, in all, and this one says above all. So above all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. So let's look a little deeper into this verse. The first thing I want you to notice, and you can write on number one, is the fact that there's a little translation thing we need to talk about in the beginning of the sentence, which says, one translation says above all, and another translation say in all. And if you look at that Greek word and the preposition, the way that word is constructed, it kind of can say both, and I think maybe God wanted it to kind of could say both. Because if you think about it, in or if you say above all, you're really saying above all the other pieces of armor, make sure you got your shield. Yeah. And there's a good reason. Put a picture of that shield up again, Bo. So that shield, we're not talking about a little buckler shield. We're talking about a door shield that's probably four feet high that you could put here. And that's like four feet high. So you could actually go like this and you're completely protected from the enemy. Other shields where you're in close combat is those round ones or the buckler shield where you're blocking and hitting and moving. With this one, you you can't move that way. It's just too big. So this is a protection one. So the shield, so above all, God's saying, take up your shield. Have your shield of faith. But then you look at other translations, it says, in all, take up your shield of faith. So what do we get from that? Well, you know what's interesting? One commentary said, you know what's interesting is that this is telling me, he said, that you should use this above all, meaning the most important is the shield of faith, and in all, you should be using the shield of faith in every battle. So above all, the most important, and in all, in every battle, have your shield. So Paul sets this up like, hey, this is a big deal, guys. This is something I'm highlighting in this armor piece. Are all the other armor pieces great? Yeah, they're all great. They're all important. They all work together. But he's saying the shield of faith is important because the just shall live by faith. Yep. Number two is taking up. We talked about that already, so we'll just spend a little time on that. But uh, a comment, the, the, the words in the Strong's talks about for the word taking up is really to take something up in order to carry it or use it. So when you, when you think about taking up some, or picking something up, you usually think about, hey, I'm picking this up to use it. Well, obviously God's saying, hey, if you're going to get your shield, don't just pick up your shield. Is the shield good right here? No. So take it up with the purpose in the heart of using the shield the way it's supposed to be, the way God shows you to use it so that it'll be effective. So taking up the shield means picking it up to actually put it into use. We've got to put it into use. So the first three parts were put on. Put on the belt, breastplate, and shoes. Now we're into the shield, right? So the shield is to take up, to use. We're not putting on, we're taking up. Different concept. Number three, the shield itself. So this shield, as we looked at the picture, huge shield. It's more like, the word actually means a gate or door. So it's an interesting thing because it's a big piece of equipment. So it's used, um, this was a Roman shield. Looked like a full or large door. to to give you full protection from attacks. Now, interestingly enough, um, talking to Uncle Bob this morning. Sorry, I didn't mean it. Jen's aunt and uncle are here, and we're excited. I was talking to Bob, and we were talking about the shields, and um, we were talking about the fact that these shields, the purpose of these shields is to fight together. So if you've seen any medieval war-type movies with shields, you know what a shield wall is right? Everybody puts their shields and the shields come over and it protects you, right? These kind of shields, you wouldn't take in a personal one-on-one battle, but you would do this as a team. And the Holy Spirit reminded me this morning that these, this type of weaponry, this shield, which is truly not just a shield, but it is a weapon of warfare because our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but the weapons that we use are supernatural. So our supernatural weapon of our shield is designed to work with one another. So the most effective you could be with the shield of faith is to make sure that you're standing next to a brother or sister, arm in arm, so that you're protected as a whole. So this type of shield is used together. Psalms, listen to Psalms 3, verse 1. Lord, how many are my foes? Some of you guys are going to relate to this in your life. How many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver me. But you, O Lord... Are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high, I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy heel. Did you hear that? The shield is round about him, which is interesting because that's not around about you, that's in front of you. But God's shield, his spiritual shield, is more than this because when we work together and we're in the body, we get surrounded by him. So it's working together one-on-one that the the shield becomes, as we operate in the body of Christ, we're not lone uh, pilots here. We're working together. And when we work together, then God says, yeah, you know what? I am a shield round about you. Because if you operate out of the context of the church, you're not operating in the body. You can't survive outside of the body. The heart can't say, I don't want to be a part of the body. I'm going to do my own thing and jump out and live itself. Right? Right? Same thing with this concept of the shield. We fight together. As we come together, we have that shield round about us. Ephesians 6, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 6, says, above all, taking up the shield of faith. So let's move on. Number four is faith. So the, the Greek word for faith here is, means, can be translated faith, belief, trust, confidence, Fidelity and faithfulness. So that one Greek word is translated into all those English words. But I want you to kind of highlight confidence. Because I think confidence is a good way to look at this type of faith needed with the shield of faith. Look at this. Look at the, this is the same Greek word used when Jesus was talking about the centurion. Remember that story in Matthew 8? Matthew 8, Jesus was talking about the centurion that had really great faith. And there's a couple things I want to highlight. So let's read that. Matthew 8, verse 5. You can just write that in your notes or turn there. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And remember, Jesus is preaching and teaching, and he's healing all over the place. Miracles are going on. But he's reached out to the, 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 the Jews first. But he's also, everyone's getting in on it because everyone else can get in on it if they got faith. Remember the Samaritan woman? That said, Jesus said, oh, I, I can't give Bread to the dogs. Jesus called her a dog. That's not good in any culture, right? <laughs> right? But she said, Hey, even the dogs get crumbs. And Jesus said, Whoa, then it's done. So that was great faith. So listen to the centurion story. So in verse 5, when Jesus had entered in Capernaum and a centurion came to him asking for him for help, he said, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, which I thought this was interesting, shall I come and heal him, setting him up for something good? And the sojourn replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes. This one come, and he comes. I say to this servant, do this, and he does it. Key verse, verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. I want you to just say la, that, or think about that, or just meditate on that real quick. Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of all the universe, who had already seen miracles happening all over the place, was amazed at his response. That should speak volumes to you about, wait, what did this guy do where the Son of God was amazed at his faith? He said, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. So what do we look at that? You know, the root of this word faith um, is translated into the word for persuasion or to be persuaded. So, the word faith here that he used when Jesus said faith, the root is being persuaded, where it really tells me that this centurion was fully convinced, fully persuaded that if Jesus just spoke the word, that that was enough to get the result. Because that centurion understood authority and he understood the structure of authority. And somehow in his mind, he correlated his his job to going, hey, I do this in my job, and it happens. Every time he says stuff, it happens too, but I can't see the, how it goes. I just see him say it, and then it does. So he correlated and said, oh, okay, so there must be an authority structure, so he must be the top dog. So when he says something, that word is golden. And so I just need to believe that if he says it, it's done. And so that truth, that truth should permeate in your heart to where we as believers... Can go, God, if you said it, that settles it. It's over. The result or what happens doesn't, that does not even, the point doesn't even matter. The, what matters is that if God says it, he's the final authority in his word. Isaiah says, never returns void or empty. His word never comes back without accomplishing what it was sent forth to do. So you can trust in God's word that when he says it to you that it's going to come true, no matter what your eyes see or perceive, no matter what you feel in your physical body, that can always deceive and lie to you. Don't trust your five senses. They will deceive you and trick you and rob you from the blessings of God because God wants you to exercise the shield of faith. He wants you to be fully persuaded that what he said is going to happen no matter what it's looking like on the outside or in the physical realm. Romans 4.20 talks about Abraham, and they're talking about the faith of Abraham. Remember faith, or excuse me, Abraham didn't have a son. Remember, he's pretty old. You remember the story. 100 years old, and his wife was 90. Ooh, whoa, 90 having a kid. Can anyone... (laughs) Let's not go there. Romans 4. So he's talking about this faith, and I want you to see what he says in verse 20 of Romans 4. He said, Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Okay? Stop. The promise of God was what? Was a word. What was that word? It was from God. It was a promise word that, he, that through him, right, all nations would be blessed, saying, you're going to have kids. So that was the word given. Abraham had the choice to believe that word no matter what he saw or how old he was or how dead everything was. He trusted God's word beyond what he saw in the physical. And then he says this. He didn't waver in unbelief but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. There it is, guys. That is faith. That's the shield of faith, believing that if God said it, no matter what I can see in the circumstances of my life, God's going to come through and do it if I trust. Well, I don't see it. I can't. That doesn't matter what you see, because what you see is not the evidence. Romans 11, one says... Faith is the evidence. Your faith is the evidence of that, what you're hoping for. Okay. Are you with me? Faith is the evidence. People, oh, well, I don't believe it. If science, I can't prove it. No, you know what? My faith proves it. I'm believing in what God said. That faith is evidence. <sighs> Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists, Okay, that's pretty elementary. And that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So you got to believe that God exists, which is not too tough. But then you got to believe the second part, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And remember, that is tied into the word faith. So this just isn't about, hey, if you do good, I'm going to reward you. No, this is about if I trust him, he's going to reward me. If I stand in faith... I'm fully persuaded no matter what I see, I'm going to be rewarded. With what? The answer, the promise of his word is coming no matter what. There's a lot we could go on that, but are you with me? That's a good part. Take up the shield of faith, trusting God's word. Now let's look at the second half of this sentence because it gets even better. Above all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. Man, that's a packed verse. Let's unpack it. So number one under that, I want you to put in, you will be able. You will be able. This word is interesting. It's dunamehi, and this means I am powerful or have the power or I am able or I can is the translations from it. What's interesting that is, of this word is it comes from the root word of dunamus, which is when we get baptized, Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you get endued with power, Dunamus, which is, comes dynamite, you get, you get endued with power from on high. So listen, when, you say, when Paul says, you will be able to do this shield of faith thing, you will be able, he's saying, you have the power in you to do this. And it's gonna take the power of the Holy Ghost in you to be able to walk in faith and walk with your shield. So you are able, Is just not saying, hey, you can do this. No, you actually have the ability to walk in faith, believe for promises and see the promises fulfilled because if you have the power of the Holy Spirit on you and in you, he will help you and be that power to help you do that. You've got to stand in faith. The only way you can stand is with the Holy Ghost. You can't stand without him. You need him. We are in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, guys. Jesus said, don't you leave Jerusalem until you get the Holy Ghost. Don't you leave. What's he, what does that say? You're going to get your butt kicked if you leave without the Holy Ghost. Yeah. That's what he's saying in today's lingo. You with me? Yeah? I can drop some 80s terms if you want. <laughs> Me and Gray, we're the same. We're the same. All right. <laughs> I know, right? Get kind of goofy. Tubular. All right. You will be able to stand. I, and you know what I liked about this, the definition of this word? It had I am. I am. So it's giving you that, like, it's not about, oh, I need to have someone else's faith. Or You ever know people that want to run to, and I, I'm guilty too sometimes. You always want to run to hear that good speaker or there's a revival over here, and it's like, oh, I want to, huh. you know, you want to go. God, God spoke to me through this, that, no, Doug, you have the power of the Holy Ghost in you. You've got all you need. You don't have to go anywhere else to try and get some power, authority, miracle thing. God lives in you, and he will do miracles in and through you. Right. But you got to believe. you got to be fully persuaded No matter what you see, no matter how dead your body is, no matter how dead the circumstances, no matter how dead the marriage, no dead the finances, you got to have faith. you got to be fully persuaded because you are able. Number two says quench. I want you to write in quench. With which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. This Greek word is interesting. And it also has I in there. It says, I extinguish, I quench, I suppress. And it's interesting because when you think about quenching or the arrows, these flaming arrows being quenched, and you think, well, my shield's going to do that, so it's not really me. I'm just going to hold it up, and that's going to do the quenching. But when you look at the word quench, it's about you extinguishing. So it's not about just holding up something else that will do it. It's about you quenching You have to quench these fiery arrows coming towards you. It's your responsibility when that flaming arrow on fire comes, goes right through your mind of a thought that's bad. You're a loser. You can't do it. Your marriage is over. Your finances, you're never, you're blah, 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 blah. It's your responsibility to quench it. It's your responsibility to say, no, Discernment. Remember discernment? That's not what God's word says. You're a liar, and this is the process of quenching. You're a liar. I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ. God says in his word that his plans for me are good. He says in his word that I'm going to be the head, not the tail. Don't you for a second tell me I can't do it. That is quenching the fiery dart. But it's not the shield's job, it's not someone else's job, it's not your pastor's job, it's your responsibility to extinguish and quench out every fiery dart that comes your way. Paul says take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. It is your responsibility to take God's word up in faith and quench those arrows. So quench them, you quench them. This is interesting, a little nugget I learned this week while studying. Um, The Romans used to put on their shields, they used to put on wet animal skins to help when those fiery darts hit, and because they would put pit, all that stuff were to exting- help extinguish it. Because, you know, wood, dude, oh, oops, that's starting on fire. Not a good deal. So the Romans used to put wet animal skins on there to help ex- extinguish that. And, and they didn't say this part, but the Holy Spirit just quickened to me like, I just thought of two things immediately. Number one, When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and they were afraid and shameful of God, and God said, hey, guys, where are you at? It's time for our daily walk. And they said, oh, we're hiding. (laughs) And what happened? And so he goes to that, and then the Bible says, God covered them with the skins of the animal. He instituted the sacrifice because there had to be blood for atonement of sin. And that skin covered them and their sin temporarily until Christ actually came and died on the cross. So it was a sign of what Christ was doing. So when I saw the animal skin on the shield that's protecting us and our faith, I thought, wow, you have to be in Christ for this to work. Your shield of faith is about knowing who you are in Christ and being secure in who you are in Christ so that you can stand up against these flaming arrows because that skin protects you. It protects you from these thoughts because, Well, wait a minute, because Paul said not just to take captive every thought, Paul said to take captive every thought, thought and make them obey Christ. Are you with me? Obey Christ with that thought. Yep. Obey Jesus. Take your thought to Christ and say, hey, Jesus, they just said I'm, I'm a loser and I can't do it. What do you think? Oh, son, you, my word clearly says this, that, and the other. Oh, yeah, that's right. And you're the final word. Your word, like the centurion said, is final, right? He says it's done. Thank you, God. And then you go and you command that thing to leave. We'll talk about the sword next week, how to get those out. So quenching the spirit. So then, so the sacrifice, right, you need to be in Christ. But then I thought they had a wet skin. And I thought, oh, it made me think of baptism. And the baptism, not only of Baptism, of repenting from works, but baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, whoa, so I got to be in Christ, covered by Christ, but I got to be immersed in the Spirit, water, immersed, baptized in the power of God and the Holy Spirit to be able to do this work. So when you think of that shield, I want you to think of the skin of the animal, of of, of the sacrifice, and then I want you to think of a total drenching in the Spirit. I want you to think that you got to be completely drenched and every day you wake up, you need to soak some more. You need to get in the Word and soak and be drenched and endued and filled up with God so that your spirit is strong and full of the Holy Ghost and that you're approaching the day with the right attitude, with the right mindset, with the right focus, and that you will be anointed and you'll be empowered to exercise your authority over the enemy and take control back of your life and start living for the kingdom 100%. Amen? Amen? All right, let's move on. Uh, Three, arrow or dart. Now, this is kind of fun, and I didn't even know this until I was studying this week, how much it tied into our previous topics, but check this out. So the Greek word for arrow or dart is belos. Sound familiar? What we talked about earlier? Huh? Yeah. So what did... What did the word mean for devil? Diabolos. What's a bolos? Remember the, the three rocks? You throw through it and tangles the feet of the, the animal, catches them. So bolos to throw through. And remember the definition was to throw through to capture, injure, or kill. That's in the name of our enemy, guys. So the context of that we got was that the enemy will throw through thoughts through your mind to try and get you tripped up entangled, and down out for the count so he can take you out and kill you if you don't guard your thoughts and guard your mind. And it's interesting because these darts in Ephesians 6, the Greek word is belos, which is just a tad off, but the root is, you guessed it, balo. Balo. So these means missile, dart, javelin, or arrow, but the root comes from balo, which means to ex balo, remember, cast out. To throw out or diabolos to throw through to capture or injure. So these darts coming through are clearly evident that the battle is right here in your mind. You've got to guard your mind. You've got to take captive every thought. You've got to make sure that you are governing that area of your life because what a man thinks, so is he. What's in the heart's going to come out the mouth. What you think, you will become. So you have to guard that place. The pulpit commentary series said this about the darts. Metaphorically, they said, considerations, the the, the darts are considerations darted into the mind, inflaming lust, pride, revenge, or other evil feelings, emanations from a greater tempter, the evil one. So these are considerations. Remember we talked about arguments? We talked about the enemy's trying to offer you a suggestion and see if you'll bite on it. Hey, you, you know, he'll, he'll get you to sin. He'll try and say, hey, go talk to that person. Go do this. He'll try and lure you in, which may not be obvious at first. So that's the discernment part that comes in. But I want you to know that the arrows, these darts, to be careful and to be alert and to know that this is a, you've got to guard your mind. If, God, if the enemy can get you to think, he can get you to act. If he can get you to think a certain way. He can get you to behave a certain way. So it's super important. I know that's kind of a revisit from what we talked about a lot, but it's worth bearing repeating. Okay, number four is the flaming or fiery dart, that part of the word. This word means to pass, or excuse me, it means I burn, I am set on fire, I am inflamed, uh, glow with heat or purified by fire is one of them, which is very interesting because the root of this word for fiery is the it's actually the word poor, not meaning poor though, but it means this, heat from the sun figuratively strifes, trials, or eternal fire. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, it's interesting that that, that word trial, that these fiery darts, sometimes we thought, okay, yeah, they're the enemy casting a thought, it's, it's against God's word trying to lead us astray, but then I began to think of, because of the word trial, I began to think of, Trials that we endure in life, and, and a lot of times, the enemy will bring in and try and bring in, or circumstances of life will bring in a trial to test us. And immediately, what we prayed this morning was James chapter one, came to my mind, and James says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials." And I thought, wait a minute, these arrows, we, we you know they are negative, and we got to make sure we're guarding our mind. But sometimes in trials, we got to remember that this trial is producing something great in us and that we get so down on ourselves that we're in a struggle, but we forget that, listen to what James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. That's a great promise. So now we look at these fiery darts coming, and we've we got to take them captive and, and assess and know what's going on here. But I want you to know, as, as you're fighting the battle of faith, that all this stuff that's coming towards you, don't look at it negatively. God disciplines those he loves. God takes us through trials so that we can learn and grow. So let's take that shield of faith and, and have a, an intensity in our heart and a battle mind to go, No, I'm going to take this on. I'm not going to be afraid of these. I'm not going to hide and cower. I'm going to go forcefully in with my shield, take those flaming arrows, knowing that these trials or these temptations are coming in are going to make me better because I'm going to overcome them. And that's going to produce in me perseverance. And perseverance is going to get me to the place where I'm mature and I lack not any good thing. Isn't that exciting to know that in the midst of these battles, that these battles are not just a battle because we're in a battle, but it's a battle to make us ready. It's a battle to give us purpose. It's a battle to mature us to a point where God will eternally use you and me in an eternal life. Guys, remember, when Jesus comes back, he's going to give you a recreated body. You're going to rule and reign with him on a recreated earth. And you're going to rule and reign with Jesus living on the earth, from the earth, ruling and reigning with him. That is exciting to me. And the Bible teaches it very clearly that that will be happening. So God's getting you and me ready to rule and reign with him on a recreated earth with recreated, recreated bodies. I'm, are anyone ready for that recreated body? Okay. Older I get, the ready, more ready I am. So the shield of faith protects you from entertaining lies from acting from the act of being deceived it's an action the shield of faith is about movement and action hell's strategy will be doubt unbelief and fear to get you to not stand in faith to get you to doubt to get you to compromise to get you to get afraid so that you don't stand because remember abraham man i'm telling you it would have been hard to believe that you're going to have kids at that age. And there's, I'm sure there were days up to the fact that he had a kid, because it was like a year later, I believe, um, even before they knew they're pregnant. So it's like, man, he had to stand in thinking, man, I've, I've got to believe regardless of what the physical facts might be. Because the facts of physiological said no. But he had to look beyond the facts in the physical and look to faith. So doubt and unbelief will surely be hell's strategy. Maybe it'll get you to think it's too risky to step out in faith. Maybe um, maybe the enemy will say, I don't know, God, I don't know if God will back you up on this one. Or that's going to be scary. That could cost you a lot. So look for hell's strategies when you're operating with the shield of faith to come in and try and bring doubt and unbelief. But that's what we return with faith, faith, trust, persuaded, fully being fully persuaded. Uh, Romans 12 or Romans 4:7 says this and I'll end with this verse. I just love the verse. God, who quickens the dead, calls things which are not as though they were. God calls things even though they don't seem like they can exist, He calls them into existence. And in our lives we have to believe and know that God, can take something in your life that seems unbeatable, unpassable, and make it passable. He can make you the victor. He can help you climb the biggest hill. In fact, he can actually remove the whole hill. But sometimes he might give you the pathway to get around it. He's going to show you the way. So God calls those things which be not as though they were. And church, I just want to, I want to challenge you today no matter what area in your life you're struggling with, whether it's a relationship, whether it's with your job or your finances or your children, or I want to talk about, I want to talk about a little bit on faith in your giving. And I I I have to say that I can't stand churches that talk about money too much. It's gotta be balanced. But I'm telling you, God rebuked me this week for not sharing enough with you guys about the finances of this church so that you guys know where you need to step up in your faith. Because this church is about the church, us doing ministry together. And God has been sustaining the budget of this church through His miraculous hand. And it has not been per se from us. It has been God doing it. And I was like, Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I've been amazed. She's probably seen my jaw drop at the way God's provided for us financially, for the church over the last four months. And I've been in awe. And I just like, and I was like, my faith was growing stronger. I was believing. And, and God said, I, I like your faith, but don't you dare not tell the people their responsibility to be faithful in their tithe and in their offering. Don't forget that. Don't be a chicken so I'm doing this so I'm not going to be a chicken because I don't give a flying flip what you think about me. I only care what the king thinks about me. And so my challenge to you, this church needs to be sustained through the body and God blessing and providing through the body. And I challenge you, if you're struggling with your tithe and giving a tenth to God as a sign of honor to him, as a sign of he is your king. And if you struggle with whatever you struggle with, because there's, there's a lot of doubt. You think Abraham had doubts about him having a baby? Or what, how do you think Isaac, or uh, uh, not Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Yeah, well, when Abraham later had to give up Isaac on the altar. Sorry, my God. How do you think he felt? He already went through faith and had, it, had Isaac, but then he came up and God told him to kill him. That didn't look right, I'm sure. His mind is probably screaming, dude, you can't kill him. He's your son. And then God provided the lamb. He had faith to where, he had such faith that he was willing to kill his own son because he knew, the Bible says this, that he would, God would raise him up from the dead. He was believing for a resurrection right then and there. And I ch- hold on, I want to challenge you guys By faith, to ask God to help you be faithful in your giving. Because I'm telling you what, this church cannot be sustained if we, the church people, don't exercise our faith and be obedient to God with our tithe and our offering. It won't work. And guys, I'm not even talking about paying me because that hasn't happened. It happened a little bit. It ain't happening this month. I'm talking about paying the lights and the building and the rent and the insurance and all that stuff. We've got to get this in our heads, guys, that the gospel, to get the gospel out and to preach and teach and have church and people come in to get and getting saved, that whole process takes money. And so I know that some of you struggle with that, but I'm challenging you today to take your shield of faith and be fully persuaded, convinced that God can provide for you and challenge him It's the only place he wants us to challenge him is in our giving. Prove, he says to me. And some people, well, that's Old Testament. God didn't say the Old Testament's gone, by the way. He said Jesus came to fulfill the law. He did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And so it's up to you. It's your freedom. It's our church. So I'm challenging as your pastor to take a moment and think about that portion of faith, because there's a lot of other things you got to exercise faith. There's relation issues. There's jobs. There's all kinds of stuff. Fiery darts are coming to all of us. I know that, but we have fiery darts coming to our church, and to the existence of this church. And God will require us to walk in faith in this area as well. We don't get a pass just because it's money and money's bad and everyone talking about all the money. We've done the church overall is in a bad job, in parts doing talking about money, but I want to challenge you in faith to ask God, is this something God that you want me to do? The the New Testament tells us that we got to give. It changes the attitude of our giving, that we need to give hilariously, not giving under compulsion or pressure or all that. And 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 if you give or not, it don't matter to me. I have to tell you the truth about what God says about giving, and then you have to obey God. Not my deal. And it doesn't matter to me because I know God's in control and I just care what he thinks. But I have to tell you the truth, else I'm held responsible. God says in Proverbs to give God the first fruits of your income or your increase to him. He told Melchizedek, Abraham, gave a tenth to Melchizedek as a as a sign of honoring, of giving the first fruit, saying, God, you're my king. That was before the law. We have it in the law. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23 to the Pharisees and the religious people of the law, he says, you guys tithe on every little piece of um, spices and all that. He's like, you get on you, you the nitty gritty and you get so concerned in that. He's like, but you avoid, you forgot about justice and peace and love and all stuff. But Jesus says, you should have continued to tithe, but focused on the matter things of justice and loving people and stuff. So, even in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the tithe still existing, still being a part of the church. And so, you got to answer yourself that question. I'm not going to pressure you, but I will challenge you, and I will tell you what God says, and God will bless you. He'll bless you in ways even if you don't. You're blessed if you never gave another penny. But are you responsible? Are you putting skin in the game? Are you expecting a free handout? Do you come to church and just want all this to just magically happen and not put anything in it? That's up to you. But I challenge you to change that mentality because if we get everyone in here on board, not only will money be not an issue anymore, then we can get busier on the more important things and getting... Staff in here, getting people to train, growing this church, getting people saved, having classes of deliverance, getting people free from bondage. This can be a, truly a hospital. Amen. But that's not, not just about money. That's going to take every part of you. It's going to take your time. It's going to take your talents. It's going to take your treasures. All three. It's going to take all of you, all of me, all of us working together to get this thing done. But I want to let you know, if you look on the back of that bulletin, we're not even halfway to our baseline of providing for the basics of this church. And that does not include one cent to me at all of a salary of any kind. We're not even halfway to the half point. I know this kind of, could feel bad, but I'm telling you, as your pastor, I have to say it because God totally rebuked me. And I want you to know that he's saying, God says, test me in this. I'll prove each one of you. And if you talk to anyone in this room who's a faithful tither, they will tell you their story, and they're good ones. And God is always faithful, and he will prove to you that he is Jehovah the Provider. That's right. Amen? Amen? All right. wasn't planning on that, but God reminded me that I had to. But I'm, it's my pleasure to say what God tells me to say, because I ain't getting in trouble with him. Amen? Let's pray. Father... We love you. Lord, we thank you so much for providing for us a mighty shield of faith. We thank you, God, for providing, Lord, your precious life. Jesus, your blood that you shed for us, providing your actual body, Lord, to take on the penalty of sin, to take on all of our shame. Lord, we thank you so much for providing that. We love you, we trust you, God, and we just ask, Father, that you would help us to be fully persuaded that your whole word in all of its entirety is true, that it can be counted on, it can be it's dependable, that it's faithful, and that your word will never return void and will always be there in answer. God, we thank you for your most powerful word. And God, we pray that you help us take up our shield of faith in that we can extinguish every accusation thought, every accusing thought, every shameful thought that comes our way, that we can extinguish it as we're in Christ with that wet skin as a reminder of your great sacrifice and the anointing of the Holy Spirit on us to do the works of ministry. We love you, God, and we thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.